Oh, hi, it's Zach Peter, your new favorite pop culture guru, serving you the hottest tea three times a week. From the latest news on The Real Housewives, deep dives into celebrity legal scandals, unfiltered convos with your favorite stars, and of course, the latest from Vanderpump Land, I've got you covered. And new episodes of the podcast are now available in video on Spotify. And they don't just let anybody do video, but this platinum blonde has won them over. So if you want the latest news from the ultimate tea-spilling professional, tune in to No Filter with Zach Peter. That's No Filter with Zach Peter on your favorite podcast app now. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the movie Trivia Showdown. Yeah, good evening here tonight. Who's ready for some matches, huh? Questions are going to be asked to the field. They are each worth one point. Who plays Laura in the 2017 film Logan? Daphne Keen. Daphne Keen. Round number two. Each competitor is going to get a spin at the wheel. Oh, no. Final round three begins. Niet. No. Uh, Sam Witwer has been eliminated. Celebrity showdown, free for all style. Let me see. This is why we play the slowdown. Rising Sark and your winner! MMA or boxing, it's like you want to see the two best strapping it out. The slowdown, as we know, we got a little bit of a WWE flavor to it. And I'm going to give him a show in Chicago. Get your tickets. We are coming with the fire. Movie trivia! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of All My Movies. This week, we're taking Deadpool off the shelf because we are coming up on the fifth anniversary of the film. We've got some themed months coming up, which we're going to announce in a couple weeks. I'm super excited about it. But I didn't want to let that five-year mark go by without talking about this film. Not only was it a landmark film when it came out in 2016, but the big news has been coming out in the last week or so that we're going to be getting a Deadpool 3. It's going to be R-rated. It's going to be set in the MCU, so... Five years later, people are still excited about Deadpool, but that wouldn't be the case if it wasn't for the fact that this movie was so well done and so well put together. We're going to talk about how that happened, and we're going to talk about my personal interaction with Deadpool, the movie, Ryan Reynolds, and everything else. It's going to be really interesting because this is the first movie that we've done on all my movies where I was working at Screen Junkies at the time. We were covering it, covering the build-up to it, and then as it was coming out on Blu-ray on its way to my shelf, uh, being able to be a little part of that marketing as it went on and some fun memories for me to share there. I can't wait to talk about it. As always, if you are listening to us and you want to catch the video version of the show, you can catch us on the Schmodown Entertainment Network over on YouTube. And if you're watching us on SEN and you want to hear the audio version of the show, please find all my movies on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to get your downloads. We would love to have you join part of our crew in either place. 
Deadpool's journey to the big screen began in the early 1990s with artist Rob Liefeld and writer Fabian Nicieza. Liefeld was a big fan of the X-Men Wolverine, who was introduced in the 70s, but whose popularity was growing exponentially throughout the 80s and 90s, no pun intended. Liefeld wanted a character who could interact with Wolverine, who could be tied to his history, and maybe even act as kind of a bizarro sidekick for the mutant. There was a movie called Twins with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And in my mind, Wolverine was Schwarzenegger and Deadpool was the Danny DeVito character. And so in the comic book origin, they let me run with that. After Liefeld's initial sketches of Deadpool were done, it was pointed out that the character bore a striking resemblance to a DC character that had already been in existence for quite some time, a character named Deathstroke. Uh, they decided to lean into that and named the character of Deadpool Wade Wilson, which is a playoff of Deathstroke's real name, Slade Wilson. So as is appropriate for this character, he was even born out of a winking self-acknowledgement of the fact that he existed inside of a comic book universe. Deadpool's first comic book appearance was in New Mutants number 98 in February 1991, and after several appearances in other comic books and a few appearances in his own limited series, Deadpool got his own monthly title in 1997. And it was in this monthly title where we first really got to know Deadpool, not just as a wisecracking mercenary, but as some sort of all-knowing being who could address the audience directly and was well aware not only of the events in which he was already involved, but the fact that he was in an overarching comic comic book narrative. The last issue of Deadpool's first monthly series was, fittingly, issue number 69 in September of 2002. That series was then revamped under a different name, and Deadpool was later spun into a different ongoing series with his former nemesis Cable in Cable and Deadpool. That series ran for 50 issues from 2004 to 2008, and it was in 2004 that the Merc with a Mouth first made reference to the movie star that would eventually play him on the big screen. In issue number two of Cable and Deadpool, which came out in 2004, I had Deadpool describe himself as looking like a Sharpay crossed with Ryan Reynolds. So I feel like I actually originally cast Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. It was around this time that perhaps not coincidentally, Ryan Reynolds began to develop Deadpool as a feature project for himself after being exposed to the comic books on the set of a different Marvel film adaptation, Blade Trinity. Blade Trinity, say what you will about that movie, but I, I, uh, it brought me great things. It actually was, it was a lot of fun. I got to sort of improvise a lot and, and goof around, and I look back at it and I think, wow, that was, I was kind of in a weird way playing Wade Wilson in that movie, and, and I didn't know it. Someone else did, though. They, that's who sent me the comic book. A, a guy I knew said, you know, you're Deadpool. I said, who's Deadpool? He said, you should read these, these comics. If they ever make a Deadpool movie... You're the guy. After years of trying to develop the film at New Line Cinema, rights issues caused Reynolds to go over to Fox and continue to flesh out the idea of doing Deadpool as a movie. And the character was added to an X-Men film, 2009's X-Men Origins Wolverine. Even though the story was very Wolverine-centric, Wade Wilson was added as a background character, and Reynolds' performance as Wade Wilson actually passed muster. He was a, one of the most popular parts of that movie. Great. Stuck in an elevator with five guys on a high-protein diet. Oh, wait. Dreams really do come true. So just shut it. It was, however, when he was mutated, I guess you would call it, or at least transformed into what the movie passed off as a version of Deadpool, that the wheels really came off the cart. Wait, is that you? Striker finally figured out how to shut you up. The mouth-sewn shut, razor-armed, fake diamond eye-having Deadpool did not pass muster for comic book fans, and none of them, including Tim Miller, were afraid of expressing their displeasure. 
I wouldn't even consider that the portrayal of the character. That was something else that happened to a guy named Wade Wilson. Despite the overwhelmingly negative reaction to the character, they still teased at the end of X-Men Origins Wolverine that Deadpool would return in some sort of a sequel, and Fox continued to develop the project with Ryan Reynolds. As a matter of fact, they brought on the writing team of Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick to further develop the script, and they got Tim Miller, who was an Oscar-nominated veteran in the animation world, to direct in his first live-action film film. Things seem to actually be moving in the right direction, but then in 2011, disaster struck, and disaster was green. Oh, green! I know, right? <laughs> Not bad, huh? Green Lantern was an utter disaster. It was supposed to completely revamp the DC lineup, launch a new universe of heroes, but it flopped at the box office, it was not a hit with audiences, and it was a professional embarrassment for Ryan Reynolds. And for these reasons, the temperature on Deadpool began to cool a little bit over at Fox. They were a little worried that some of that stink would transfer over to this new property. However, they still agreed to give Tim Miller a small budget in order to do some test footage for what his version of a Deadpool film would look like. And this test footage, as a matter of fact, is very close to what audiences would see on screen when the film was finally realized about five years later. Hola, me llamo Pecina de la Muerta. There's no easy way to say this. I'm pregnant, Trevor. While Miller, Reynolds, and the creative team behind the film were thrilled with the test footage, executives at Fox were not wild, and Deadpool went into a seemingly endless creative turnaround for a few years until 2014, when the test footage that Miller had developed for the film mysteriously leaked online. And to this day, there is still no definitive word on who might have done it, although Ryan Reynolds and the writers of the film acknowledge in their commentary on the film itself that the suspects list is pretty short. We started all hatching a plot when we were having difficulties getting the movie greenlit. We started hatching a plot to leak the footage. And when I say hatching a plot, none of us was technologically savvy enough to, to actually out leak to it. So we kept trying to, each of us was trying to convince the others to do it for him. I, I think that's what's happened. That's the story we're telling each other, but I think one of us Brian did it. Reynolds. One of us leaked that footage. And His well, name rhymes with Brian Reynolds. <laughs> I mean, it's Brennolds. a... It's kind of like a game of Clue. There are only about six or seven suspects, so you know True. somebody was in the dining room with the candlestick. Absolutely. The fan reaction to the test footage once it was leaked online was overwhelmingly positive. So positive, in fact, that it convinced Fox to greenlight Deadpool with a $60 million budget, which was pretty low for a superhero film, but at least it was something that they could work with. And the studio agreed to allow the film to have an R rating, which I think was an even bigger gamble because the data on R-rated superhero films films was not great and when you go back to when Deadpool was greenlit this wasn't that long after Watchmen which was a hugely anticipated comic book film had come out with an R rating but it was a financial disappointment nowhere near the results that anybody had anticipated and yes there had been successful R-rated comic book films like Blade in the past but if you follow Hollywood you know that so much of the decision making isn't about what history actually is it's about what has just happened so when you combine all of these factors 
directors. The fact that Watchmen had been a very high-profile R-rated comic book film, they now had greenlit another R-rated comic book film. The fact that Ryan Reynolds had not carried Green Lantern for whatever reason, and it wasn't all his fault, he's a charisma machine. But still, audiences, when they saw Ryan Reynolds, probably thought of Green Lantern at that time. The fact that Deadpool, as a character, had failed in the movie X-Men Origins Wolverine, this was a risky gamble for Fox to make. Even though they gave them limited budget to do so, you still have to give them a little credit for the fact that they trusted the fan enthusiasm online to put money on the line for this movie. As I was listening to the commentaries on this Blu-ray, there's one by Ryan Reynolds and the writers, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, where you can tell that their expectations on how much the movie is going to make is already pretty low because the commentary was recorded before the movie came out. And you can hear in this clip that they're already expecting Deadpool to maybe not make as much money because it was given the R rating. There's obviously a glass ceiling on box office grosses. You make a lot less with an R-rated R movie than you do with a PG-13 movie. And they were willing to sacrifice those hard dollars for this crazy creative experience, and, and we should really thank them for that. With the movie officially greenlit, the creative team looked to fill out the rest of the roles in the cast. Obviously, Ryan Reynolds was set as the title hero, Deadpool slash Wade Wilson. In the key role of Vanessa, the love of Wade Wilson's life, the woman who inspires him to seek out a cure for his terminal cancer, which ultimately leads into his transformation into Deadpool, the producers cast Morena Baccarin. She was just off a critically acclaimed and award-nominated role in the Showtime drama series Homeland, but was already a film and television veteran. And as a matter of fact, the character of Vanessa was in the comic books and perhaps in later films supposed to be a mutant herself called Copycat with the ability to change form. And at the time of the first movie's completion, Vanessa being Copycat was a possibility that Tim Miller did not close the door on. Vanessa Carlisle, who's also copycat, a mutant, is also part of canon. We didn't want to make up a new person, but we also didn't want to bog down the story with dealing with her powers. We'll save that for another time, hopefully. In the role of Ajax slash Francis, Deadpool's nemesis, British actor Ed Skrine was cast. He was probably best known to audiences in 2016 as the new lead in the Transporter franchise, having just replaced Jason Statham, and as the original actor playing Dario Naharis on Game of Thrones, although he was replaced in the fourth season. Scrine's right-hand goon Angel Dust was played by Gina Carano, an early film role for her after a very successful MMA career. Tony Award winner Leslie Uggams was cast as Deadpool's roommate Blind Al. TJ Miller played Wade's motormouth friend Weasel. Stefan Kapisik provided the voice of X-Man Colossus. Karen Sony, who had appeared in a series of successful AT&T commercials as well as other films and television shows, was cast as Deadpool's cabbie friend Dopender. And Brianna Hildebrand, a relative newcomer, was cast as Negasonic Teenage Warhead, Colossus's disaffected teenage X-Man trainee. And for Hildebrand, who grew up with an admitted crush on star Ryan Reynolds, the biggest challenge wasn't the co-stars that she could see, it was the co-stars that she couldn't see. It was kind of hard to get used to imagining Colossus. I got to look at the sketches of how they were thinking to make him, so I kind of had to build him in my head. He's got this helmet that has a, I don't know what you would call it, like an antenna and a ball on it, and he looks like a Teletubby in it. That was hard, though, because you're supposed to look at the ball and not at his face. Deadpool began filming in late March 2015 in Vancouver, Canada, and wrapped filming just over two months later, which is a remarkably short shooting schedule for a film of its size. Most most movies of, of this scope and scale really that that's that second unit 
you know, days. Or I, I'll invoke days. Uh, Green Lantern for a second time. Uh, Green Lantern, just to give you perspective, was an 89-day shoot. Necessity is yep. truly invention's mama. And it, yeah, it made us focus on character so much more than anything else. And I think that's ultimately what makes Deadpool work. This idea that the challenges of making it were just opportunities for them to figure out how to get out of this particular problem. They didn't overshoot what they had the resources for. And I think that that's why it stands out, not just as a good superhero movie for its size, but as one of the best superhero movies in the modern age. Because how many times have you seen a superhero film that has an unlimited budget and it's just a mind-numbing mess? I mean, it just overwhelms you with everything because they don't know how to say no. They get everything that they ask for. Or how many superhero films have you seen that could not adjust to that lower budget and then end up looking laughably bad? The 1990s Spawn movie is one that I can think of where there was an obvious ambition in the director's head for what they wanted to see, but there was not enough money. And instead of adjusting how to shoot the film, they instead reached for what they couldn't achieve. And I think that really torpedoed that movie. Uh, That's not the main reason, but it's one of many reasons why that movie didn't quite work. Deadpool, you know exactly what movie you're watching from the very opening frames. The opening credits from Deadpool are a great meta wink from the very beginning of the film. You get the credits of the writers as the real heroes here. You get Tim Miller's director credit as an overpaid tool. God's Perfect Idiot as the starring credit for Deadpool. These credits really did set the tone for the whole film. Oh, hello. I know, right? Whose balls did I have to fondle to get my very own movie? The movie looks great, but also I think it has to be acknowledged that Deadpool himself looks great. This is one of the best superhero costumes ever brought to the screen. I think right up there with Christopher Reeve's Superman suit. I know a lot of people are partial to different Batman suits. I love the Burton 89 Batman suit, but a perfectly realized superhero suit can really help elevate a film and elevate a character. With Deadpool, I think you could have taken that instinct to maybe tone it down a little bit, but because the character is so outlandish, they had license to really make the suit as bright and red as an outlandish as it is in the comic books and it's such a great translation from film to screen and it's not just something that fans commented it's something that star ryan reynolds thinks is the case as well the suit was made me weep the first time i saw it it is a work of art that suit it truly is rush shankel at film illusions created it i think it's the most faithful comic book to screen adaptation of a super suit ever absolutely yeah it's just just awesome yeah Of course, we also get early on in the film the patented Deadpool breaking of the fourth wall, something that's carried in from the comics seamlessly to the movie. Fourth wall break inside a fourth wall break. That's like 16 walls. And again, I think the thing that keeps this joke fresh throughout the film isn't just that Deadpool's breaking the fourth wall, it's that he's referencing many different things. It's not just, oh, hello there, I see that you're an audience. It's the fact that he is referencing the X-Men franchise itself. Let us go talk to the professor. McAvoy or Stewart, these timelines are so confusing. He's referencing the difficulties of making a comic book film of Deadpool's size on a budget. It's a big house. It's funny that I only ever see two of you. It's almost like... The studio couldn't afford another X-Men. He's referencing the fact that the movie that he's in is itself a movie and a potential franchise starter. To you, Mr. Poole. Deadpool. That sounds like a f***ing franchise. And of course, my favorite references, the very self-effacing Ryan Reynolds references. And please don't make the super suit green. 
or animated. All of this works for a couple reasons. Number one, the jokes are funny. They're self-deprecating. They work. A good joke is a good joke. But if it was just the humor, I think it would have gotten stale. At the heart of this Deadpool movie is actual heart. Vanessa's already working on plan A, B, all the way through Z. Me? I'm memorizing the details of her face. Like it's the first time I'm seeing it. Or the last. You have to give a lot of credit to Morena Baccarin and Ryan Reynolds for making that storyline between Wade and Vanessa work because there is a true beating heart at the center of the movie. So it's not just a shoddy framework to put jokes on. It's an actual love story. And that's something that the movie itself says at the very beginning. And yeah, technically this is a murder. But some of the best love stories start with a murder. And that's exactly what this is. A love story. It also has to be mentioned that in a career of memorable cameos, Stan Lee's cameo in Deadpool is maybe the funniest and least expected of his entire career. Give it up for chastity. You can't buy love, but you can rent it for three minutes. But it turns out that Stan Lee did have one big regret about his role as the strip club DJ. My only problem is, after that, I never did get to see Chastity. Here I'm yelling to everybody, let's give it up for Chastity! And I, I hope I wasn't lying, I hope she was worth giving it up for. Also, in addition to the cast, the jokes, and the story, Deadpool is also just a great action film, and it really is a great execution of the vision that everybody knew Tim Miller had in his head from that original test footage. The bridge sequence, which really is the framing device for about the first third of the movie is a great piece of action filmmaking. I think sometimes it doesn't get enough credit because it kind of goes and stops and starts and you're going back and forth in the story. But the sequence, which in the movie is called the 12 bullet sequence, essentially Deadpool only has 12 bullets left. He has to take out an army of goons. It's so well shot and so well choreographed and executed. That also gets you on board with the movie. It's not that it succeeds in any one way. It's that it hits in every single way in which it's trying to succeed. And that 12 bullet sequence, was also an example of how the filmmakers were able to improvise because while it's a great use of 12 bullets, it originally was meant to be just a few bullets more. This sequence was called 16 bullets, but due to budgetary constraints, it's now 12 bullets. There's a frequent jest on set that it's going to be one bullet before we're done. That entire sequence was shot on a real bridge in Vancouver, Canada. And because of the intricacy and length of that sequence, the traffic was shut down for part of the day for over two weeks, a move that tested the patience of many Canadians for one of their favorite sons, Ryan Reynolds. I think for a while I was public enemy number one because they didn't say Deadpool shut down traffic. They just said Ryan Reynolds has shut down traffic. In Vancouver, which sort of sucked for me. Bottom line, Deadpool is just a movie that works, from the opening credits to the post-credit tag. You're still here. It's over. Go home. And while I love the tag on Deadpool, the reference to Ferris Bueller, the fact that they set up Cable in the sequel, something that they would deliver on a few years later. The sequel, we're gonna have Cable. There was an idea for a different post-credit sequence. Apparently this didn't happen because of scheduling that I think would have been just as good, or dare I say it, maybe even better. Go be a really big brother to someone. Tell Beast to stop shitting on my lawn and you. Paul just had this zany idea of what if we actually catch Beast shitting on Deadpool's lawn and running <laughs> off and Deadpool chasing him, you know, angrily holding his morning newspaper. And Nicholas it was Holt so was game. funny. He was game. He yeah, loved it. Yeah, we just it. couldn't he make the schedule over. work. Yeah. We will continue our deep dive into Deadpool in just a minute. Ooh, that doesn't sound right. But first, a word from our sponsor. 
This week's episode is brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the streaming service with the best selection of horror thriller and supernatural movies, series, and originals that you won't find anywhere else streaming uncut and commercial-free to your favorite devices. Shudder has the largest and fastest-growing curated, and that's particularly important with Shudder. It is a curated selection of great thrillers, horror, and suspense for $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. There are new supernatural terrors, edge-of-your-seat thrillers, and shocking horrors added each and every week. As a matter of fact, just this month, just in January, you can catch exclusive titles like Season 2 of A Discovery of Witches, the action thriller Hunted, the horror mystery The Queen of Black Magic, and a binge release of the entire first season of The Walking Dead World Beyond. And on Shudder, you'll have unlimited access to watch anything you want ad-free to your favorite streaming devices, including Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, iPhone, iPad, and more. Shudder's collection of exclusive and original films and series, horror classics, and blockbuster hits is absolutely unparalleled. You are not going to find anything like this on any other streaming service. As a matter of fact, it's a great resource if you're a horror buff, or it's a great resource for somebody like me, and I've talked about it before. I'm not the biggest horror guy. I just started getting into it really in-depth a few years ago. As somebody who's new to the genre, I don't feel intimidated. As a matter of fact, I appreciate the fact that Shudder is able to tell me what I should be watching And it services the horror fans that go there for their favorites and for stuff that they've never seen before. Whatever you want, Shudder has it. And I've also been trying to catch up on movies that I missed in 2020. One of those titles that I kept seeing pop up over and over again was a horror film called Host. Host is a Shudder original. I watched it on the service, and I was really glad that I did because I thought it was one of the most effective and original horror movies of 2020. It's also got some of my favorite horror movies like the original Toby Hooper, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and a great French revenge film from a few years back called Revenge. It was in, I think, my top 10 the year that it came out. I love that movie. A really, really gnarly revenge film. You can watch that on Shudder as well. Right now, you can get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content around because Shudder's expertly curated collection includes must-see titles like Color Out of Space, Host, The Mortuary Collections, plus all the best horror documentaries and the hit Creepshow TV series from executive producer Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead. To try Shudder free right now for 30 days, free, no charge, go to Shudder.com, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and use the promo code MOVIES. Again, that's for 30 days of Shudder for free. Go to Shudder, S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com right now and use the promo code MOVIES. And I'd like to thank Shudder for sponsoring this week's show. Go get some. Superhero landing. She's going to do a superhero landing. Wait for it. Woo! Superhero landing. Yeah, that's really hard on your knees. Totally impractical. They all do it. It's easy to look back in hindsight at the passion that everyone involved with the film had and see why Deadpool almost seemed destined to be a success. But keep in mind at the time, given the track record of Ryan Reynolds and the fact that nobody quite knew if this meta nature on superhero films would actually work, there was a lot of speculation that Deadpool might be a disappointment. And as I mentioned, this was the first movie like this that I worked at Screen Junkies for from beginning to end that we talked about here on the show. We were doing panel shows. As a matter of fact, we did one right after the first trailer release of Deadpool where a lot of folks were very skeptical about whether or not this movie would be good. If it's good, as I said on your sister show, Movie Fights, if it's good, if I like it, and I hope I do, I don't want to dislike any movie, I will appear both there 
and here, dressed as Deadpool. By the way, that was future Schmodown Teams champion Mark Andreco, and he did make good on that bet. It took a little bit of cajoling, but he did eventually make good on that bet on a future show. The fact of the matter is that even though it had already been produced, even though the executives and the stars and the directors knew that this was a really good film, there still had to be a lot of convincing of the public that they should go see Deadpool. So, Fox and Ryan Reynolds launch what I think is one of the most brilliant and effective marketing campaigns for any movie in or out of the superhero genre ever done. Because they didn't just sell the movie Deadpool, they sold the character Deadpool. And Reynolds as Deadpool started popping up everywhere. Comic-Con experience in Sao Paulo is upon us. And the Fox panel? That's December 4th. It's almost Australia Day. This is your brain on IMAX. how? Happy Year of the Monkey. Starting today, you're getting not one, not two, but 12 glorious days of Deadpool. Check out DeadpoolWebsite.com for my Red Band trailer. Make sure to ask your mommy and tell her to call me. Audiences were eating up these Deadpool appearances, and the studio also smartly began getting the movie in front of people, in front of fans, and in front of critics. And I think that's also another critical point when we're talking about where comic book films and where the internet was at this time. We were at a point in 2016 where the baton of film criticism was in part being handed to a new generation of critics, critics online, critics that largely were fans already of these different properties, and they were enthusiastic about Deadpool. I was blown away by this movie in every way. I'm serious, this movie was freaking great. Deadpool is spectacular. It's phenomenal, it really is a great movie. And they delivered the greatest apology for that monstrosity they could have ever delivered. Good job, Fox. As a matter of fact, this shirt, the actual shirt that I'm wearing right now, I got at an early Deadpool screening for IMAX that they put together for critics and fans to experience the movie. And of course, we walked out of that theater with nothing but great things to say about Deadpool. The expectation and the buzz was building to a fever pitch ahead of the film's opening in the United States on February 12th, 2016. And while expectations were high, Deadpool shattered what anybody thought was possible for this R-rated superhero film. Deadpool raked in an estimated $150 million over the four-day holiday weekend. The R-rated superhero movie pulled in all kinds of firsts this weekend, becoming the number one opening weekend ever for an R-rated film, the number one opening weekend in Fox history, and even the number one February opening weekend. The controversial superhero flick has even surpassed opening weekends for fellow superhero movies like Man of Steel, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and Guardians of the Galaxy. When the dust on opening weekend settled, Deadpool had earned over $132 million over the three-day weekend and over $152 million over the four-day President's Day weekend. And by the time the box office books were closed on Deadpool, it had become the highest-grossing R-rated film of all time globally. It has since only been surpassed by two other R-rated films, the sequel, Deadpool 2, and 2019's Joker, another R-rated comic book film. Deadpool also almost claimed the title of the highest-grossing R-rated film domestically, but fell just short of Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. A very similar film. Deadpool also brought in an estimated $100 million plus on the home media market, meaning Blu-ray, DVD, etc. And it's at this point where my story and Deadpool's story begin to intersect via the series that I used to work on, Honest Trailers. 
working on his trailers was and still is the professional highlight of my career. And back in 2016, it was also a web series that was known by some people actually in the entertainment industry. The Russo brothers had referred to us when talking about putting together Captain America the Winter Soldier, and in the commentary for Deadpool, director Tim Miller and Rob Liefeld talk about Honest Trailers and their original intention to perhaps integrate it into the film. They pitched a, whole, a couple of really great ideas for for the credits. Um, another one was going to do. We were going to do the whole um, the whole end sequence like an, an 80s action movie. Then we wanted to get the Honest Trailers guy to to do review the movie in the credits. You know where they tear the movie oh apart. I thought that would have been f-ing great. Yes, right? he would have tore me up. Well, um, when you were saying, oh, she wouldn't survive this, I'm like, they're going to get you, Tim. They'll get you on the uh, oh, they're totally the trailer. Now, we never received any correspondence about being an actual part of the Deadpool movie, but as we were preparing the Honest trailer itself, we figured that it would only make sense for Deadpool to show up in his own Honest trailer. And I wish there was really some convoluted story for how we got Ryan Reynolds to do a voice as Deadpool for our Honest trailer, but the simple fact of the matter is uh, we just asked. Deadpool? No, it's Rhythm Nation era Janet Jackson. Yeah, I'm motherfucking Deadpool. Wow, you're showing up in your own honest trailer? Our producer sent Ryan Reynolds a DM on Twitter, just a shot in the dark. We never expected that he would actually respond to us, and he got back to us and said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's bat some stuff around and just send us his email address. So we sat down and we wrote a draft of the Deadpool Honest trailer. And as I recall, our original draft, the Deadpool part was very short because, you know, we're thinking, well, this is Ryan Reynolds. Like maybe he's going to have some time to like put some lines in a phone, a line or two. Uh, But, you know, he's a big movie star. He's not going to want to sit down and do an entire Deadpool trailer. After we sent Ryan Reynolds the first draft of what we wanted to do, he thought it was funny. But he kind of said like, well, listen, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Write more. Send me more stuff. So we went back, we wrote an even longer version of the Deadpool Honest trailer, and he, I think that same day, recorded it and sent it back to us. So in the span of literally a couple days, we went from, hey, Ryan Reynolds might want to do this Honest trailer, to having the voice in our hands and realizing that we now have an appearance from Deadpool for the Honest trailer for Deadpool. Deadpool is the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. Except for Jesus. So we were super excited, obviously. We started cutting the trailer together. We got a version that we could send to him as a rough cut. We sent it to him, and he responded with a couple notes, and he said, well, what do you guys think? And we said, well, you know, we think it's good. Honestly, we wish that we could have maybe had a little more time to write some of these jokes because we wrote it kind of quickly because we wanted to get it to you. So there's definitely room for improvement, but, you know, you're Ryan Reynolds. There's, you you know, we've, we've done what we can do with you. And he's like, no, if you think we can do better, let's do better. So again, we went back, we wrote another draft of the script, and then we sent it to Ryan Reynolds. And this is not a lie. He was shooting a movie in the UK. We hired a sound guy. He left the set or had a break from the set, went and recorded the second version of the Deadpool Honest trailer in a car with the sound guy that we hired from the UK and sent us a second version of the audio. Look, the only reason I'm even here is to promote Deadpool, which is now out on Blu-ray and DVD, blah, 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 like anyone still buys those glorified f***ing drink coasters. And I would also like to mention that we wrote a lot of jokes for Ryan Reynolds. He sent us back stuff that was largely way funnier than anything that we wrote. So he not only made the trailer better by saying that he would do more for us, by allowing us to write him a second draft, he also gave us better material than we even wrote. Can I listen to you do the honest names? I love that part. Honest names? You know, the bit you do at the end of your videos that we, uh, quote, borrowed. 
for our opening credits. And this was not something that really serviced Ryan Reynolds in any way other than having another funny piece of Deadpool stuff out there. I mean, yes, we were promoting Deadpool being out on Blu-ray and DVD, but this was not a key part of the Deadpool marketing strategy. This was just Ryan Reynolds wanting to do something fun. And if you'll indulge me, I have one more Ryan Reynolds story. And it really just kind of shows you that like he's one of the real ones. And, you know, when you talk about stars and their personas, there's some people that have real personas and they match who they really are. And there's some people who maybe they don't really match who they really are. Uh, we teamed up with Ryan Reynolds for a couple of other trailers. The The involvement wasn't necessarily as extensive as it was on the first Deadpool trailer, but we did a collaboration for Logan where we called up Deadpool and wanted him to say some bad stuff about Logan because we couldn't figure out what to say. Are you high? I'm not going to shit on Logan. That film is a masterpiece. If Jackman doesn't get an Oscar nom, I'm setting every VHS copy of Crash on fire. We won an award, a streamy award, for this collaboration, and they sent us the trophy, and we still had his email address uh, from working with him um, on uh, these other trailers, and so our head writer, Spencer Gilbert, uh, sent him a picture of the trophy and jokingly said, hey, congratulations, we want a streamy. Um, We'll send you your award in exchange for a bottle of Aviation Gin, which he had just signed on and was promoting, etc. And uh, you know, we thought that it was a funny joke. The next day, two cases of the stuff show up to our offices. Uh, it was way more gin than most of us could possibly drink. And as a matter of fact, it was so much gin that a couple of years later, I still have a bottle of it. So thank you, Ryan Reynolds. You've been filling my drink glass for a couple of years now. I'm saying all this to point out that, yes, the things that you see on screen can really contribute to making a film uh, a success. Script, cast, director, etc. Very important things. No great film can really succeed without those things being in place. But when you have somebody in charge, as you did with Ryan Reynolds, a producer, a star, certainly a writer, if not credited as one, but somebody who collaborated closely with the writers, if you have that passion, then you can see that on screen. And the passion for making this film is evident in every pore of Deadpool. And I think that it is just as important as any of the other elements in the film. What you saw from Ryan Reynolds, Tim Miller, Rhett Reese, and Paul Wernick, the the cast, the crew of the film, was an uphill climb to make this movie work. And against all odds, the movie didn't just work. It wasn't just an underappreciated gem like Dread, which is another great R-rated comic book film, but was not a financial success. It was a success in every single way. And it's hard to point at a lot of movies that you can say that about. Deadpool is one of those movies. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. That guy was already up there when I got here. As always, I like to talk about the actual physical copy of the movie that comes off the shelf each week. And this is the version of Deadpool that hit shelves when it was initially released on Blu-ray. But this is not a bare-bones release. As a matter of fact, I know that there are probably updated versions of the film, but I can't think of one that would have better features than this disc has. First of all, you have two feature-length commentaries. One with Ryan Reynolds and the writers, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. That is uh, B. Arthur on the shirt. Yep. I told Howie, I told him. That cost 10 grand. I don't mind saying. Is that right? Yeah. And another with Tim Miller and Rob Liefeld. People who have seen this movie have asked me, hey, when's the spinoff with Colossus and Negasonic? Well, they are doing the New Mutants uh, movie. 
So there you go, kids. There's a new Mutants movie coming. Maybe you'll see, you know, Negasonic there. Even if those were the only two features, it would be really illuminating on how this movie was made. But there are also some great documentary features about the making of the film that are included. Once you put them together, it's over an hour's worth, but they're divided into different sections. One of them is just about the genesis of the film itself. Test footage was never meant for the eyes of anyone other than studio executives at Fox. and was meant to just be a loose example of what we could do with this character and how we could kind of bring him to life. You also have one that's focused on the characters in the film and who they cast to play them. There's one that focuses on the costumes and the style of the movie, particularly the manufacture of the Deadpool suit. We created it so that the eye pieces can come out separately. There's a release mechanism button in the back. Push it, pull the eyes. And we have different types of eyes for specific stunts that you can see better through. There's one about the action sequences of the film and how they were pulled off, both practically and with visual effects. The previs has been an incredible tool. Tim's sequences are what ended up getting the movie made. And there's one covering other aspects of post-production, including how the visual effects behind Colossus were designed and put together, and in the studio with Tom Hulkenberg, a.k.a. Junkie XL, who did the music for the film. There's also about 15 minutes of deleted scenes, including an extended sequence where Wade goes to Mexico to try to get his cancer cured and ends up murdering a con man. Say someone offers you the chance to be a superhero at a time when eh, things aren't going so hot. Like, I don't know, maybe he just got cancer, flew to Mexico and murdered a man. There's a gag reel that's light on bloopers, but is mainly alt takes to different jokes in the film. Sweet suit. It's made from over 9,000 individually wrapped Jewish toffees. I, I really don't know what I'm saying right now. There are two different previs or pre-visualization videos. One of them is a computer previs of the bridge sequence that was used as essentially motion storyboards for how that film would be shot and edited. There's also a stunt previs for the fight between Ajax and Deadpool, which is essentially a full speed rehearsal that could be used in the editing and shooting to get that fight scene done right. And there's also something called Deadpool's Fun Sack, which includes the trailers for the film, as well as a bunch of these special videos that were made directly for the promotion of the movie, including a very hands-on interview with Mario Lopez for Extra. And listen, Ryan, if you later. All in all, Deadpool is a very satisfying movie. This is a very satisfying home version of the movie. So if you're looking to pick up Deadpool, you're going to find some great features. And if you're looking to watch Deadpool, I think you're going to find a really great movie. And that wraps it up for this week's All My Movies. As I mentioned, if you're listening to us and you want to check out the video version of the show, you can find us on the Schmodown Entertainment Network on YouTube. And if you're watching us on the Schmodown Entertainment Network and you want to find the audio version of this podcast, you can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to download your favorite podcast. Thank you so much for watching. We'll be back next week with another movie from my collection. But for now, it's time to go back on the show. See you next time. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.